morning when all the dead in Christ shall rise. I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, eternal soul, in weakness raised in power, ready to live in paradise. I'll have a new body, praise the Lord, I'll have a new life, I'll have a new home, glory, glory, with the redeemed of God, stand no more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness of my sightness. Ready to live, I'll be glad. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Eternal free from every imperfection, youthful and happy I shall be. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Lost in victory I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life Oh yes, I'll have a new home Glory, glory With the redeemed Never of God There'll be no more sorrow No, no more pain, pain There'll be no more strife Yes, raising the likeness In his likeness Ready to live I'll be glad I'll have a new body Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life shall sound. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Eternal grains, all bursting saints are shouting heavenly beauty all around. I'll have a new body. Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Oh, yes. I'll have a new home. Glory, glory. With the reading of God to stand. No more pain, there'll be no more strife. Yes, raising the likeness In of his likeness. Ready to live, I'll, I'll be glad. I'll have a new body. Praise, Praise the Lord, I'll have a new life. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be. Welcome to the Passion for Christ show. So glad to have you, friends. I'm your host, Bruce Kessler, and I just want to let you know I'm part of the greatest movement ever, follower of Jesus Christ, because you see, in Him alone, I find peace, joy, forgiveness, happiness. I am blessed beyond measure more than I could ever deserve. My goal here is very simple. That is to encourage you, friend, along the way, to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Upcoming in our study segment, we'll be talking about going on the road. Going on the road. But before we get to that study segment, we've got a few things along the way. And the first is Headline News. Well, get this. Indianapolis quarterback Sam Ullinger says his Christian faith has helped him stay grounded as he competes for snaps in a starting job during his rookie season. Ellinger was drafted in May out of the University of Texas, was expected to be a backup, but was thrust into a quarterback competition with starter Carson Wentz when starter Carson Wentz suffered a foot injury in late July. 
Although Wentz was expected to return to practice, he wasn't going to be 100%. It wasn't known who will start at quarterback in the Colts' regular season opener September the 12th against Seattle. Ellinger was competed with Jacob Eason during the preseason. Was, Ellinger was asked during a press conference last week about the unexpected turn of events. But Ellinger said his faith helps keep football in perspective. Just a perspective that I've been able to gain through adversity, through life, things in my life. It's really put into perspective what we're on this earth to do, he said. And so that keeps football in check for me and realizing that this is just a game as much as everybody here loves it and as much money that flows into the business and things that happen like that. At the end of the day, it is just a sport. Ellinger's younger brother, Jake, died this summer and his father died when he was 14. You play football and obviously it's our job. But there's a lot of things that there are are a lot more important. Keeping that in perspective and not making it your life or death is kind of how I keep in perspective. There you go, folks. There you go. Colts quarterback Sam Ellinger says faith, not football, is what we're on this earth for. Mm. Mm -mm 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 -mm. Well, you won't believe this, folks. You just won't believe it. A federal appeals court that upheld a Texas abortion restriction last week also dabbled in pro-life apologetics by raising an ethical question. Why is it illegal to dismember an animal but permissible to tear apart an unborn baby? The case involved a Texas law that bans a second trimester abortion procedure known as dilation and evacuation, which involves ripping apart an unborn baby limb by limb in the womb to prevent a live birth. Pro-life community calls it dismemberment abortion. Although a lower court judge struck down the law, the U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals in a 9-5 ruling, upheld it. A group of abortion clinics and doctors had sued the state seeking to have the law overturned. Judges Jennifer Walker Elrod and Don R. Willett, who co-wrote the majority decision, noted it is illegal to dismember living animals. The state urges that the law would simply extend the same protection to fetuses. The majority opinion had argued that pregnant women who receive DNA abortions are not being told what is going to happen to the fetus. For example, a typical form does not tell the patient that pregnant tissue will be removed during the procedure and does not explain that the fetus's body parts, arms, legs, ribs, skull, and everything else will be ripped apart and pulled out piece by piece. A DNA abortion, oh, Judge Owen said, is abhorrent. There you go, folks. There you go. Court asked, why is animal cruelty banned, but dismemberment of unborn babies legal? 
Good question indeed, folks. And finally, in our headline news, we have this. A retired Army Lieutenant General who served as National Security Advisor in the Trump Administration is warning that Afghanistan will become a new epicenter of jihadist terrorism with the Taliban controlling it, the United States having withdrawn. Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster had served as National Security Advisor to President Trump from February 2017 to April 2018. And he says that he has disagreed with his former boss and President Biden. It's going to get much, much worse, McMaster said, before expressing dismay that the Huckany Network, an Islamic militant organization that supports terrorism, is now in charge of security of Cabal. The U.S. considers Huckany a foreign terrorist organization. You compound that with 5,000 that we made the Afghans release from prison, and then you compound that further with all the prisons being empty now of ISIS, Khorasan, and Al-Qaeda, and the Taliban. Pundits in Washington, he said, repeat the mantra that there was no military solution in Afghanistan. Taliban seemed to have come up with one. Mm-mm-mm, folks, Afghanistan to become epicenter of jihadist terrorism, former Trump official warns. Folks, we just got to put things in God's hands and do our best to stand and stand firm on truth. And that's our headline news for this broadcast. And now, this day in church history. On this day in 1533, John Nichols, a historian of Lady Jane Grey and Mary Tudor, dined in the Tower of London, I've been there before, folks, with the family charged with custody of Lady Jane Grey. She was in prison because of her own family's attempts to place her on the throne of England. Nichols was seated next to Lady Jane and reported the following conversation. We fell in discourse of religion. I pray you, quoth she, have they mass in London? Yea, forsooth, quoth I, in some places. It may so be, quoth she, it is not so strange as the sudden conversion of the late Duke Somerset, who converted to Roman Catholicism while awaiting death. For who could have thought, said she, he would have so done? It was answered her, perchance he thereby hoped to have had his pardon. Pardon, quoth she, woe worth him. He hath brought me and our stock in most miserable calamity by his exceeding ambition. But for the answering that he hoped for life by his turning, though other men be of that opinion, I utterly am not. But what man is there living, I pray you, although he had been innocent, 
that would hope of life in that case, being in the field in person against the queen as general, and after his taking capture so hated and evil spoken of by the House of Commons, and at his coming into prison, so wondered at as the like was never heard by any man's tongue. Who can judge that he should hope for pardon whose life was odious to all men? But what will ye more? Like as his life was wicked and full of dissimulation, so was his end thereafter. I pray God of you no friend of mine die so. Shall I, who am young and in my few years, forsake my faith for the love of life? Nay, God forbid, much more he should not, whose fatal course, although he had lived his just number of years, could not have long continued. But life was sweet, it appeared. So he might have lived, you will say, he did not care how. Indeed, the reason is good. For he that would have lived and changed to have had his life, my like would leave no other means unattempted. But God be merciful to us. For Jesus saith, Whoso denieth him before men, he will not know him in his Father's kingdom. The value of life in light of eternity. This day in 1533, and that's this day in church history. And now, folks, we have a little bit of fun. And name that Bible character. Here is your clue. We've been doing some studying in Isaiah, so this will be a good one for all of us who've been studying on Wednesday nights, the book of Isaiah. Here is the clue. I was the king of Judah at the time that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, besieged Jerusalem. Who am I? Here's your clue one more time. I was the king of Judah at the time that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, besieged Jerusalem. Who am I? We'll reveal the final answer to that tantalizing clue following our study segment. So stay tuned, folks, for that exciting reveal and our final segment of Name That Bible Character. And now, folks, we have our study segment for this time. and I've entitled this segment, on the road, we see we're all on the journey, right? We're all on the road. We're all heading towards heaven, hopefully, friend. I hope you are too. And we're going to turn to Luke chapter 24 and read about Christ appearing on the road of Emmaus. Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. Of course, these are events that had just occurred. Jesus' tomb was found empty, and the, uh, the women uh, uh, found the angel there. He said, he's not here, but he's risen. And they went back, Mary Magdalene and 
Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and other women went and told the apostles. And here we find these two men walking together, conversing about these things. And so it was, while they conversed and reasoned, that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. That's in verse 15 of Luke chapter 24. So they were conversing. They were discussing. They were reasoning. They were, they were uh, trying to uh, rationalize the events, put it all together, make sense of it. And Jesus himself drew near and went with him. Or, and went with them. You know, I had to stop right there and I had to wonder. I said, well, what do I talk about in my spare time? What am I, what am I, is it, is it about Jesus? Jesus is always near. Jesus is always listening. Jesus is always looking. What is he hearing in our daily conversations? Is it talk about him? Is it discussion? Is it to learn more? Is it yearning to know more? Is it, what is it that goes on in your personal life that no one else knows, friend? Here we have a couple of men walking together, discussing the events that had just happened. The crucifixion, trying to put it all together. The empty tomb that they heard these women witness to. Verse 16 says, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. The miraculously, Jesus kept his... Uh, his uh, uh, the the fact that he was Jesus from them. He didn't want to know. He didn't want them to know who he was. And he said to them, what kind, in verse 17, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk in our sad? So no, not only were these uh, men discussing these events that took place, but they had lost a little bit of hope. They, had, they were had a sad countenance about themselves. And so Jesus wanted to know, well, what is it that you have to be sad over? What is going on that you're talking about these events in such a way that it brings, that it disheartens your soul? And Jesus would, would, would ask us the same question today. You're going through life. You're on this road, this journey into heaven. And all of a sudden, you now you're sad. Now you're dispirited. He would want to know why, what's going on. Jesus wants to know your heart. He, Jesus wants to know what's going on. Jesus wants to know what is it in your life that's causing these things to happen to bring sadness into your heart and life. Verse 18, Then the one whose name was Pleopas answered and said to him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? <laughs> Sometimes we, we think that we're the only ones who are suffering? Have, don't you know that 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 what's going on? Don't you know my suffering is greater than anybody else? Don't you know what I've been going through? Don't you know this? Don't you know that? Haven't you heard, man, friend? Don't you know what's going on? Haven't you been listening? Don't you know? Won't you just bring us? <laughs> this guy was going to bring Jesus into his realm and his sphere of fellowship and dispirit him too. You're going to make him sad. Don't you know about these things? In verse 19, Jesus said to them, what things? And Jesus wants to know, well, well, what is it that 
causing you to be so sad. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day these, since these things have happened. So what did these guys know about Jesus? Well, they knew his name. They knew where he was from. They knew he was a prophet. They knew he was mighty in deed and word. They knew that he was crucified. They, they, they knew that Jesus had come to redeem Israel. They heard from eyewitnesses the accounts of his resurrection. They had all these things. And yet their hope was seemingly dashed. Yes, in verse 22, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb today astonished us when they did not find his body. They came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. They had all this evidence. They heard it from key witnesses of the accounts of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. His tomb is in, but he's risen, the angel had said. Jesus wanted to hear from them and wants to know from us and hear it in our conversation every day that we believe without seeing, that we have faith in the great testimony and eyewitness accounts and the words that come from the God's powerful, powerful truth. And yet they had lost hope, lost joy. And the impact of the crucifixion had lost its impact on them. Verse 25, Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Yes, Jesus powerfully re recalled and wants us to remember that we need to have faith. Faith that is established and built on the prophets that have spoken. What is Jesus talking about? Well, Jesus is talking about the truth that came through the prophets that have spoken concerning him. And this is what he goes on to say in verse 44. These are the words that I spoke to you, which I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and prophets and the Psalms concerning me. Jesus said, you can find these truths through the law of Moses, prophets, and the Psalms. They were all about me. They were all about the fact that I had to suffer and to rise the dead and from the dead the third day and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in my name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 3 and 5 it's one of those powerful scriptures and he is despised and rejected by man man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him he was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. 
Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. This is what Jesus was reminding these men of. In verse 27 of Luke 24, he continues in this discussion. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded, he reasoned, he rationalized, he made sense of all these things to them and all the scriptures and the things concerning himself. And then they drew near to the village where they were going, and he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him. In other words, they, they did not want this guy to go. They did not want this one who expounded these things to them and made sense of all of these things to them. Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent, and he went in to stay with them. You see, friend, no matter where you are, Jesus is there. Jesus is ready to help you. Jesus is there with his powerful word and powerful Holy Spirit and powerful reminder that he will always draw near to us if we draw near to him. Verse 30, Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them and he took bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened. And they knew him, and he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road, and while he opened the scriptures to us? On the road, folks, Jesus, on that journey, Jesus, through his powerful preaching, powerful message, powerful words, will uplift you, will burn and cause that flame no matter what time of day it is no matter where you are no matter what it is no matter how sad you are no matter how dispirited you may become jesus and jesus alone will cause your heart to burn and that flame will never go out friend i pray that you have this relationship with Jesus in your walk in your journey on your road to heaven and that's our study for this broadcast and now folks we have our final segment of name that bible character Here was your clue. I was the king of Judah at the time that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, besieged Jerusalem. Who am I? Well, the answer is Jehoiakim. Daniel 1, verse 1, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into Jerusalem and besieged it. I was the king of Judah at the time of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, besieged Jerusalem. Who am I? Jehoiakim. And name that Bible character. Well, friend, you too can become a follower of the greatest movement ever, follower of Jesus Christ, by turning your life over to him in baptism and repentance. You will be forgiven. You will have a peace that passes all understanding. You will be blessed beyond measure more than you ever could deserve. 
my goal here was very simple. That is to encourage you, friend, along the way to help you find your passion in life in Jesus Christ. Visit our website, normanchurch.com, normanchurch.com. Well, friend, I just want to tell you this. Thank you for walking along my side during this show. May God bless you. The Lord reigns. He is the mighty God. The Lord God reigns. The Lord reigns. He is the mighty God. The Lord God reigns. Great is the Lord Almighty, He is Lord, He's God indeed. Great is the Lord Almighty, He is God supreme. Great is the Lord Almighty, He is Lord, He's God indeed. Great is the Lord, great is the Lord. The Lord reigns, He is a mighty God, the Lord.